Welcome to the Dogwood Podcast, a presentation of Dogwood Church. For more information, download the Dogwood Church app or visit dogwood.church. We hope you enjoyed the message. Great to see you all on this beautiful day. We, uh, this is the closest thing that Dogwood Church has to a homecoming. Uh, how, how many of you uh, grew up in a church background and you're, you were part of a church uh, that had an annual homecoming Sunday? Got a few of you here. This is pretty much it for Dogwood Church. Welcome to all of you um, that uh, we haven't seen in a while and a lot of you guys and gals that have grown up and are off seeking your fortune in other corners of the world and uh, are back home. It's great, great, great to, to see you. We have been, uh, this December, this Christmas season, this Advent season, uh, we've been uh, reflecting on some of the words of Christmas. Uh, not all of them, don't have that many Sundays, but some of them. Uh, we we uh, spent a Sunday uh, reflecting on the hope that Jesus brings. And Pastor Jay Vineyard brought that uh, message. And then Pastor David Hodge uh, spoke to us about God's indescribable gift. Uh, and we, we focused on that word. Last week, Pastor John Warnock talked to us about the word joy. And uh, today we're going to talk about peace. And I'm reminded we're going to focus on what is arguably, uh, certainly debatably, the most uh, memorable single verse in the Bible known worldwide out of the Christmas story, and it is Luke chapter 2, verse 14 on the screen. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. This is why, this is why Jesus came. Peace. Peace. Uh, some of you, if you if you're like me and you've you've pondered this, and you know you watch some of the TV specials and listen to some of the uh, music that's played, especially some that like to have Christmas without Jesus. You know what I mean? It, and it's a lot of songs about goodwill and joy and and peace and and the Christmas spirit, whatever in the honk that is. Uh, <laughs> Uh, if, if you don't have Jesus in there, I don't know what the Christmas spirit is, but he's out there. We sing about him. And, and, but there's this hollowness about now, but now where is all this peace? Uh, and you might be thinking like me at times, wow, pastor, then if Jesus was to bring peace on earth, on earth, peace, goodwill toward men, then where is all that peace on earth? I mean, where is it really that he was supposed to bring? Uh, the 20th century and, and these first few years of the 21st century, the first 21 years, uh, have been some of the bloodiest and most war-infested uh, decades in, in, the history, in the recorded history of mankind on the planet. Where is all this world peace? Wars and riots. And then just let's forget about that for a moment. What about, what about the peace uh, peace with the people in my life, like even my family, my, my spouse, my husband or my wife or my sons and daughters or brothers and sisters and weird old uncle who's going to come to lunch tomorrow, you know, who always stirs it up. Where, where, where is the peace with my neighbor that we get ill with each other over the silliest of things? And where's the peace with my boss and my coworkers and my classmates? And Pastor, how just about how about my own peace of mind and heart? How about my inner peace? Because whew, I'm full I'm full of worry and anxiety. 
This, I mean, I'm glad we have this happy time, but where is that? Where, the, so the question comes, am I misunderstanding or did Jesus fail? I had a, had a, a fascinating conversation um, about 20 years ago. I was asked by a, a very nice lady that I'd known my entire life if I would come by and have a cup of coffee with her aging and ill uh, husband who was not going to be long on the planet, uh, she was worried about his salvation, about his relationship with God and about his eternity because it, it did not appear he was going to be on the planet much longer. And I said, well, certainly. And so I stopped by on the afternoon. He knew I was coming. And he was a cynical, uh, Eeyore-ish kind of personality. I don't think he'd always been that way. He spent much of his life in education in the academy uh, he spent a good bit of his life in law enforcement. He, was, um, he fought in World War II. He'd seen a lot of rough stuff, and it had affected him quite negatively. And uh, he sat me down for a cup of coffee, and he lit up a cigarette, and then he just looked across the table, uh, Porfirio, kind of like he said, okay, you're the latest pastor that my wife has asked to come talk to me, so get, let me hear it. And as I looked at him, the... the these words came to mind. I am looking at a sagging bag of tobacco-stained bitterness. And he pretty much was. And so we talked for a moment, and he just, with a flip of his hand with the cigarette, said, Jesus was a failure. They killed him. He was a failure. And he had some of these same questions. Where's all this peace and stuff? Well, I think that's a good question. Now, some of you are thinking, this is Christmas Eve. Are you going to, like, get the nose above the horizon here in a minute? Yes. Yes, I am. Uh, yes, I am. So the, question, the answer to the question, did Jesus fail, is absolutely not. Absolutely not. And let me explain by going to Luke chapter 2, uh, the famous uh, uh, account from the Gospel of Luke on the Christmas story. And, and let's unpack this just a moment. Stick with me. It's, it begins by saying, in, in those same days, during the year 4 BC, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that the entire empire uh, be uh, registered, a census for taxation uh, purposes. And it was the first registration, the Bible says, that had taken place while a man named Quirinius was governor of Syria. Now, the first thing I, I noticed there is that the Bible makes an outstanding claim for you and me here, and it, it is this, that this took place. It really took place in history, at a real time in history when real historical figures were on the earth, Caesar Augustus, Quirinius, the governor of Syria, and it took place at a real place, uh, the Roman Empire. So, Everyone went to be registered in his, own, uh, in his hometown or the town of his ancestors. So the entire Roman Empire is traveling to get back to what they considered their home town for their, uh, their family. It's very disruptive. And two of those people you're very familiar with, Joseph and Mary. Uh, Joseph, along with, his Mary, his, with Mary, his fiancée, who was uh, nine months pregnant or great with child, is the saying goes, traveled from the town where they were living, a little town, a little no-name town called Nazareth. Uh, in Galilee, they traveled south, south, but up in elevation, up into the Judean mountains 
to the town of Bethlehem, which was Joseph's ancestral home. Uh, The city of David, named after King David, the most famous of the ancient Israeli uh, kings, and they went there. Well, verse 6 says, while they were there in Bethlehem, the time came for Mary to give birth. And she did. She gave birth to a son, her firstborn child. And she wrapped him in, uh, in a blanket or in swaddling clothes, as uh, some passages say, and laid him in a manger, laid him in a feeding trough uh, because they, they were having to stay in a stable, no room uh, in, the, uh, in, in the inn. And in verse 8, it says, And also simultaneously outside of Bethlehem, There were shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks, watch over their their sheep at night. They they pulled the short straw. They had the graveyard shift. They were out there all night with the flocks in the darkness, in a place that was not, uh, that had no light pollution. And suddenly the angel of the Lord appeared to them and, and God's glory blazed around them. And the Bible says they were terrified. And the angel told them, don't be afraid. Now, that's it's very important because anytime you see in Scripture when the angel of the Lord showed up, um, only two th- one of two things could happen, and one of them was really bad. <laughs> and so, you know, uh, here's the angel, and he says, no, 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 don't be afraid, for I bring you... Uh, Good, glad tidings of great joy. I love that. Don't you love that phrase? Glad tidings of great joy that will be for all the people. Good news of great joy that will be for all people. That includes you. You may think, I'm too far gone. God doesn't care about me. God doesn't love me. That's not true. This is for all people. This includes you. It also includes you that you wish it, it also includes people that you wish it did not include. Uh, all people. A Savior, he said, had just been born in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord, the Master, the Messiah. Uh, Now, that sounds funny. A baby's just been born who is the Lord, the Messiah, the Master. Hard to comprehend uh, for those guys. Well, all at once, that angel was joined by a huge choir of angels singing. And... uh, and singing God's praises, and they, then we come to that famous verse, verse 14. Glory to God in the highest, and peace on earth to people He favors. Now, if you've been listening closely, you may be thinking, wait a minute, that's not what you read a moment ago. You just read, peace on earth to people He favors. But I've always heard it read like you read it a few moments ago, Glory to God in the high, like on the screen, uh, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. So which is it? Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm confused. Well, I, I know, I understand. But let me describe this. That is from the 1611 English translation that we know as the King James Version, beautiful, magnificent translation, but but New Testament scholars worldwide have known for a very, 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 very long time that the scholars that translated 
the King James Version, Version mistranslated verse 14. They read it in the wrong, um, uh, the, 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 the wrong mode and that it should be translated what we've read. Um, instead of saying good peace on earth, goodwill toward men, it should say, and peace on earth to people he favors. Uh, it, like in, in the Christian Standard uh, translation. Listen to all of these English translations. The English Standard Version says, On earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. The New American Standard says it this way, On earth, peace among men with whom he is pleased. The uh, New International Version, 1984, says, On earth, peace to men on whom his favor rests. The New Living Translation says it this way, peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. The New Revised Standard Version says, on earth peace among those whom He favors. Uh, the International Standard Version says, peace on earth to people who enjoy His favor. In other words, who have been the recipients of His grace, His saving grace, His amazing grace. Peace toward men uh, to whom God has goodwill, on whom His amazing grace rests. They've been recipients of his, of his grace. Now, out of all the things that we can say, you know, you'll hear on, you'll hear on advertisements for like car tires. This is what Christmas is all about. Really? You know, you, you hear it all the time. And that's what Christmas is all about. Food with your family. And that's what Christmas is all about. Well, I like food with my family, but that's not what Christmas is all about. He says here, that Christmas, this worldwide celebration, is about the incarnation of Jesus Christ. God Himself taking on flesh and dwelling among us, primarily to make a way for you and me to have peace with Him, peace with God. The forgiveness of sins specifically through the life and the death and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, through His uh, sinless life, uh, through His substitutionary uh, atoning death on the cross in our place and through His resurrection bodily, physically, from the dead. Now, so when He says, on earth, peace with, uh, to people that He favors, what kind of peace is He talking about here? Well, He's, he's very specific. Uh, he is not primarily talking about world peace. He's not primarily talking about peace between nations. He's not primarily talking about political peace or the ceasing of wars uh, at this time. Uh, even though in, in another place in the Scriptures, God promises that when Jesus returns, He is going to put an end to all war. That is going to happen. But that's not what He's talking about primarily here. Not primarily. It's not, he's not even primarily talking about my inner peace and your inner peace uh, of mind and heart or peace with other people relationally, even though that is included. It is secondary. It comes subsequently to peace with God. He's talking about primarily forgiveness of sins, being reconciled to God uh, through the, the forgiveness of sins. In 1739, I believe, back in the 18th century, Charles Wesley, the great Methodist minister, penned the words of one of the all-time, some of the, one is considered one of the top main four Christmas carols of the church. 
Hark the herald angels sing. Hark the herald angels sing. Glory to the newborn king. Peace on earth and mercy mild. God and sinners reconciled. That's what it's about. He, he brought his mercy and brought peace to earth. In, this, in other words, in the sense of God and sinners can be reconciled. It is about uh, our being forgiven of our sins. Let me give you an illustration here. In uh, Matthew chapter 21, when the angel came to Joseph, uh, as he was telling them that Mary uh, was going to give birth to a son conceived of the Holy Spirit, that he was to name him Jesus. It says, uh, and you are to name him Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Save his people from their sins. And back in Luke chapter 1, we have the story of the birth of John the Baptist, the cousin of Jesus. And he was, had a, a somewhat miraculous uh, birth. He was, uh, he, his parents were Elizabeth and uh, Zechariah. And after John was born... Zechariah, after he was able to speak again, another story for another time, he, filled with the Holy Spirit, prophesied over his newborn son, John, uh, who would be known as John the Baptist. And here's what he says. He, John, will be called a prophet of the Most High. For you, John, will go before the Lord to prepare His ways, to give His people Knowledge of salvation through the forgiveness of their sins. Because of our God's merciful compassion, the dawn from on high. That's a beautiful picture. He's describing Jesus. The dawn from on high will visit us to shine on those who live in darkness and the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of what? Peace. Peace. Peace on earth. The people who are the recipients of His favor, of His grace, He will save His people from their, their sins. Peace with God comes to those who repent of their sin, who trust in Christ and are saved by His grace. And you say, well, what does peace with God mean? Well, it means, first of all, God and sinners reconciled. That means we're reconciled. Wait a minute, reconciled? Well, what were we before then in conflict? We weren't reconciled. We weren't okay with God. We were in trouble. In fact, the Bible even describes us as being enemies of God, uh, hostile toward God and His will and His ways, opposing God. Uh, In Romans chapter 8, verse 7, listen to this. It says, the mindset of the natural person or the person without the Spirit or the person who is an outsider, who is not a follower of Jesus, the mindset of a person who is not a follower of Jesus is hostile to God, at war with God, an enemy of God, against God, opposing God, because uh, this mind does not submit to God's will and ways, God's law, and never did obey God. Indeed, it is unable to do so and never will on its own. Never will apart from the grace of God. We will never want to obey. I said, wait a minute, wait a minute. I mean, I'm not, you might be saying, well, pastor, I'm not all that religious. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm here on Christmas Eve and, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm glad to be here and, and I'm, I'm not against other people who follow 
Jesus or any other people, any other God that they, whoever they say it is, I'm not opposed to that. I don't really think I'm an enemy of God. I just don't think I have any need of God. Well, God himself says that you are in opposition to him. And I at one time was in opposition to him in my own life in this sense. In that I, I say, I don't need, meaning I don't want you to be the boss of my life. We are very much like my little, my daughters when they were very little, when they would be trying to order each other around, and one of them would turn and they'd just kind of swap out and cross their arms and say, you're not the boss of me. And at some point in our life, we all, we might not use those words. We might not even say it out loud, but the attitude of our heart is we look to God and say, you're not the boss of me. You're not the boss of me. I, I want to do what I want to do. I want to be what I want to be. I want to, uh, I want to live my life on my own terms. You're fine. Just don't bother me. I want, I'm, and God says, you are, you are opposing me. You weren't made to live life apart from God. We weren't made to live life that way. We are, we are less than uh, God created us to be. And in that sense, we are at enmity uh, with God. You say, that's why... You need peace with God. You see, only people, the only people who can have peace with God are those who realize, oh no, I'm at war with God. And so what happens when we, when Jesus came and said, well, why would he do that? It's because he loves you so much. He, he thinks about you all the time. He can't bear the thought of you. Uh, being apart from his fellowship and his blessing and his provision in, in this life and the next. He can't bear it. And so Romans 5, 8 says he loved, he demonstrated his love toward us in this, that while we were still sinners, still shaking our fist in God's face saying, well, I, you're okay, but you're not the boss of me. Christ died for us. He died in a place. He paid the price for our, our sin. Um, and again, I, I love those words. Hark, the herald angels sing. Glory to the newborn king. Peace on earth and mercy mild. God and sinners reconciled. Now that's what Christmas is all about. And that's what we celebrate. No, he did not fail. He made a way for, for moral and spiritual fallops just like me. Uh, to be forgiven and adopted and given the gift of eternal life and um, uh, be fully accepted and reconciled to God. And he's done it to, to, over, to billions of people around the world. And he'll do it for you also. Uh, and because of this, you can be forgiven because of Christmas. Now, notice one more thing in verse 14. This being reconciled to God having, has to happen while you are on earth. You see that? On earth. And on earth, peace to people on whom his favor rests. That means you need to decide to bow your knee and your heart and your life and your will to him while you're still here on the planet. Because that's the time that you have. That's the time. So why do you do that? I don't know. But that's, that's the arrangement. That is the arrangement. 
Your peace with God can only be settled once and for all uh, with God while you are still here on earth. And I've noticed that all of you in the room are still here. And all of you listening in on the online are still here. And all you on the patio, you're still here. I recommend that you do this. Now, some of you are ready. Some of you are ready. And maybe some of you for the first time say, whoa, this is starting to get clear to me, but I need a few more answers. Fine, fine, fine. Just keep coming for answers. All of us are we're seekers, and this is a good place, and they're, we're covered up with good churches in this part of the world who will help you sort through these things. But some of you got it. And you say, oh, I have been at war with God. I have been resisting God. I have been resisting Jesus, and I want to be reconciled with Him. Well, you can do so by making a transaction of your will with Him right now. I'm going to lead you through a prayer. And you can take whatever position helps you pray in a crowd. Um, this, um, this prayer is not, these are not magic words. God's more concerned with the attitude of your heart than He is the words of your mouth. But if this expresses the attitude of your heart, then make this your prayer, okay? Okay, pray with me. Let's pray. Let's pray. Just pray after me from your heart. Dear Lord Jesus, I admit that I've gone my own way. I have sinned with my thoughts and words and actions. And I'm sorry for my sins. And I turn from them in repentance. I believe you died for me, taking my sin in your body on the cross. And I thank you for your great love. Now I open the door of my life. Come in, Lord Jesus. Come in as my Savior and forgive and cleanse me. Come in as my Lord and take control of me. Give me peace with you, and I will serve you as you give me strength all my life. Amen. Lord, thank you for hearing these prayers. Now, let me see your eyes a second. Just, just for, just, it's just us in here. It's safe. If you just committed your heart and life to Christ to be reconciled to Him, to have peace with God for the very first time, just raise your hand real high. We want to celebrate with you. People do that all the time. Right? There's one. Who else? Can you see for the lights? Who else? Just raise your hand. Just like, yeah, there you go. How about in the balcony up there? Yes. Yes. Well, God bless you. God bless you. We're going to continue celebrating by singing. You join in. Thank you for listening to the Dogwood Church Podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's message. For more information and to access other messages, visit dogwood.church. If you would like to give to Dogwood Church, Text keyword DOGWOOD on your smartphone to 77977 or click the Give button online. You can now download the Dogwood Church app for Apple and Android devices to stay connected to all the latest podcasts, videos, and events from Dogwood.